Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Loud and local with Kevin Deers rolls on 99.9 KISW. We're back here on Loud and Local. It is Snowpocalypse 2019, but you know what? I have a guy right here who braved the weather in, a, in his 4x4. He is here and uh, it's very cool to Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I have Matt Carter from Emory in studio. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I got a four-wheel drive, and I'm a podcaster, so getting to be on the real radio, I wouldn't, I'd walk here if I had to. That's awesome, man. You know, that's one thing we're going to talk about tonight is he actually has a really great podcast, two podcasts, actually. He has one that I've been listening to a lot called Labeled. It's just a uh, a kind of an oral history of Tooth & Nail Records, a very important record label here in the Northwest, actually based out of, of Ballard these days. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, his other podcast, Bad Christian, and uh, his band, of course, Emery. We can't not talk about that. You guys have been killing it since 2001. Uh, can you give me a little bit behind the scenes, like on this new album Eve? Because uh, I want to know, like, where you guys recorded it. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast how long did it take from concept to finish and uh you know this we talked about this off air like you you guys are uh you guys are family men now you guys mm-hmm. are our are, are dads uh husbands is 
must be kind of hard to balance all of that together. Yeah, it is. For the, the new album, the, the short answer of it took us way too long to make. <laughs> and part of the reason, I think, is I was telling you about in the last nine years, our band has had 14 children. Yeah. Over the last nine years. So we get distracted 14, at wow. different phases over that and we're highly productive certain times or not. But this particular time, we had a lot of children. And so it took us a couple of years to make a record. And we've kind of work, been working on that. So we're going to try and get on a system that puts it one out more like every year uh, going forward. But uh, the thing we wanted to do on the record that this one is uh, we recorded it, you know, pretty much ourselves and self-released it. Yeah. We're going for a real raw kind of a sound. And uh, the truth is, and this is embarrassing, but we didn't spend a ton of um, – it took us two years to do, but it came out really easily and effortlessly and fast we only worked a few days on it we just didn't get the days (laughs) that's crazy the days together except for in a few increments but it came out real natural and real fast and the point of it was to not overthink it and not overproduce it yeah we're mature people we're all about 40 years old listen i don't i I know how to play the instrument and my taste is my taste and what i'm going to play on guitar i don't have to overthink it's just going to come out and so we just wanted a real album to be where we are, and hopefully that comes out mature and people like it, and it's not overproduced. So that's what we were going for. Is that something you want because you wanted to be able to reflect that live and you wanted to be able to pl- actually like play those songs and, and it not be this huge like overproduced thing? Or Well, it's kind of been a slow evolution for me. I've been responsible for most of our recordings. I've been uh-huh. I've worked on them or done them entirely myself since the second or third record. I've been had my hand involved and I got into music recording because my gosh is it fun yeah so production is fun producing is fun hell yeah and you know the adding the layers and all the stuff and being able to achieve it is so fun and of course that makes it better and now the the longer I've been doing that and and seeing the technology and the more amateur level and the the bands that maybe aren't I don't think are as great, but they have great production. Eventually, yeah. that production thing seemed to be overdone for me. And so I have – and look, it will probably change in a couple records from now. Yeah. But I'm in a more of a purity phase. I don't want the click track going. I want to hear what the drummer has to say. Okay. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like an old man, I know. But I want to hear what this Warts and all. guy yeah. has to say. I want to hear what he has to play. I want to hear what this guy's fingers sound like coming off the – I just want to hear what's really there. Okay, and that's just where I'm at, and I'll probably change my mind again. But that's where I'm at personally. I think it fits our band and, and where we are right now. That's cool, man. Uh, and and you know, you guys have uh, you know evolved or 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 have these different phases, and uh, it's cool because you guys have been a band since 2001, which is crazy. You guys moved here from the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, what state again? South Carolina. South Carolina. Yep. You moved here from South Carolina. All friends, I'm assuming, and you. Started a band here in Seattle. Why Seattle, dude? Well, we've we've had a little bit of personnel change over the years, but not not even really. But we did start the the we five of us moved from South Carolina here. We placed our drummer in the first record and then okay. we dropped a bass player basically. But essentially the same unit and core and songwriting. We moved here from South Carolina when we finished college because we grew up in Rock, you know, Greenville and went to college in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Yeah, the main bands at the time would have been. I don't know Hootie and the Blowfish. I mean, sure. It just it, it wasn't there wasn't it wasn't a screamo band or anything. You know? Yeah, 
it was wasn't they didn't have anything from our point of view. We play if we got a gig in the bands we were playing in, they you had to play four hours, and you had to play three sets and do a bunch of covers, and you sneak in some originals. And we were trying to do stuff like this. You didn't want to be a bar rock band. That's what, yeah. We were trying to sque- squeeze in something that later would be you'd understand as screamo into yeah. that setting, and it wasn't it wasn't going to work. You know, yeah. it never it was obvious that it wasn't. Nobody wanted to hear it. But we knew what it was supposed to sound like. Walk into a bar and they're like, those pants are too tight. Yes, but we have a different uh, story than most other bands. We didn't go, we weren't punk kids going to punk shows as teenagers. We didn't have, they just, we just didn't have that. Yeah. But we thought it must exist. And if it existed, it must exist somewhere else. And if you got to go to somewhere else, like we'd get up to Charlotte and start to see some shows right around 2001 before we moved. Hope's Fall, we ran into and saw, okay, you know, there's some real stuff that started to kind of come around, but we just, we were just in a void in a rural, basically, area. So we knew we had to go somewhere. And Seattle's pretty far. Well, that was part of the design. We nice. thought we needed to get away from yeah. you know, possible careers or girlfriends or whatever that kind of stuff would be. Because yeah. if we wanted to do something for real, we got to focus on it, right? Yeah. But I thought we had some talent. I thought we had – surely we could do it. So we just said, let's go, let's go to Boston or New York or L.A. And they all sounded scary. Seattle, oh, yeah. That's sure. it. As soon as somebody said Seattle, we said, let's go. That's grunge. We'll go out there to the grunge scene. That's a bet. That'll be great. Yeah. We got out here with a bunch of ska bands. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Shout out Instant Winner. That's right. It's Instant Winner at Club Impact. Like, well, I thought it would be a little more grungy than this. But that was so fun, and we got out here, and that was so fast. And I, I'm not making fun of that, but the punk scene and the yeah. pop punk and the ska was going. Yeah. And it was like, oh. Well, this is awesome live because it's so fast and fun and people are dancing. Yep. And it really picked up our – it really takes us from this droney, heavy, deftone sounding thing to this like, you know, got some pep to it. And that's really what made you – know, when we got here. Double time. We figured out what to do, you know, and we were fast and, and it worked. So you guys then start the band in 2001 here in Seattle. And you guys have been now together for 18 years. What has been like the – attribute what would you attribute to uh your staying power when so many other bands that you guys are probably contemporaries with um you know probably you know broke up stopped mm-hmm. playing together you know stopped playing music what's mm-hmm. what would you attribute to that to well i you know in in football or something they talk about a quarterback and he's got intangibles yeah i think we got intangibles I mean, okay I, I, you know i think our music's great and i think we know what we're doing in that department and i don't need to sell that part of it. But the thing that we've been able to do to survive is be uh, very flexible, very understanding of each other. Uh, and it's a cheesy thing to say that our relationship is good in the band, but it is. Yeah. We're close. We're friends. We understand each other. We're adjustable. Okay. We've never we've never been that hard on each other. And if somebody needs to take time off or we got to slow down or you got having, you know, the drummer has five kids. So if a wow. band has to be totally full-time and everybody has to go all the time, no matter what, you give it all. Because the all-in thing is a big deal. You know, like in every culture, it's like you've got to be all-in for this. And that's kind of true. But for how long and to what end and how sustainable is, is something like that? So we've been able to be flexible and take times where we don't make money or make less money and you have to do side jobs and or other jobs. And for the for the most part, we've all been able to do this mostly as primary gigs or parts of primary career. So that's incredible. That's incredible, man. I mean, you've, you've only had to sort of uh, grow up. That's right. Yeah. Just sort of grow up. Yeah. So Uh, far. I mean, that may lead us. I mean, what am I, what's my backup plan now? I've been 40 this year, so I don't know. 
But. Well, the backup plan is the uh, killer podcasts that you've been doing, and we'll be talking about that in just a few. Um, so one of the podcasts that you do is actually the History of Tooth and Nail Records called Labeled Podcast. So one of the questions I was wondering about is uh, the first label you guys signed with was Tooth and Nail Records. When was that, and how long uh, was it before you guys signed with them? We signed in two thousand late 2003, and our first record came out in 2004 on Tooth and Nail. Nice. And we made the record ourselves uh, ahead of time, the week's end. Our first record. So you shopped that around. Yeah, we did. Cool. Because we didn't, we didn't have a choice. Nobody would sign us. We had some bad demos, and but we knew we were better than that. So we went to uh, we saved up money. Like as like I said, we were living out here, and yeah. we didn't have girlfriends, families, nothing. We just got jobs at Guitar Center and yeah. saved up our money and put it all in the same bank account and bought toothpaste together and saved up to make a recording. We nice. went to Kansas and recorded with Ed Rose, okay, who we who had done some really cool records at the time. We thought surely that'll do it. And it did. We made the whole record. And then by the time we got back, um, Tooth and Nail, and everybody would listen to it, Victory Called and Tooth and Nail and uh, wow. Deep Elm Records and uh, Militia Group. And we, like, we could – as soon as we had our product made, it was just it was bizarre because that's a lot been, of that's a lot of heavy hitters you just yeah, mentioned. Yeah, and it was in writing that time, and before that, we had nothing. It was like nobody would take us seriously. Or we couldn't get anybody from the label to come to our show. We couldn't couldn't get anybody to look at us. And when we had the record, they all wanted it. And it was just that. It was almost that simple. So Victory Records, Militia Group, Deep Elm, those are some pretty mm-hmm. big labels, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you guys say tooth and nail? Were you guys fans of that label and whatnot? Well, it was, it's kind of complicated in the sense that we at the time thought tooth and nail. We had heard they had a bad reputation and they uh-huh. had bad contracts and you shouldn't sign to them. That was okay. – and, and you know we'd moved to Seattle and everything. And you know it was, it was a lot of punk bands at the time. Yeah. They hadn't really had the – the new revision when they came in, you know, they had some good. They had Juliana Theory and Further Seems Forever, but there was nothing, me without you, yeah. me without, yeah, bare, but but just barely. Like That's you didn't true. really know who they were in two thousand and two, mm-hmm. and so it was right at the time when it was turning from a, a pop punk band label into like having this new sound. And we'd heard they had bad contracts, so we were kind of hesitant. And then we got a lawyer, and the lawyer said, "Don't sign this deal. This isn't good." Uh oh. You know, Militia Group deals better, but it was um, it wasn't it. The tooth and nail thing, when we talked to them and we saw it and you could feel the power of it and you knew the audience was there, you just kind of knew it was the right thing. And yeah. it was like, well, maybe that's more expensive. There's a cost to signing the tooth and nail. It seems like it's worth it. It was just what it felt like once we, you know, we could kind of sense what was happening, like this new phase was coming. And for whatever reason, we had a, we had a friend, John Dunn. Who worked there? He was in the mailroom, and yeah. he, we were the first band that he ever A and R. Nice. And he brought our demo in, and it yeah. got him to from the mailroom into an A and R. And it was just perfect situation. Like we did, we were scared to give him the CD and thought he might copy it or we might get pirated <laughs> or something. Like you have to bring that CD back tomorrow. He comes back with a CD tomorrow and says, uh, "Brandon wants to sign you guys." We're like, "Get out of here! That's nonsense. You're not. You're telling a lie." And it turns out it was kind of true. It took another, you know, almost a year to, to complete the process, but. It was kind of the front runner the whole time. We kind of, you could feel the gravity towards nice. it. It was the right thing to do. We're talking to Matt Carter from the band Emery, also labeled podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about Tooth and Nail Records in just a few. Uh, but, you know, we're going to actually play two songs from his album called Eve. Uh, this is the newest record that Emery put out last year. And we got, uh, Is This the Real Life? And Name Your God. Uh, you want to intro these songs real quick? Yeah. The This first one is the first song on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's real trippy. It's got a key change in it. It's a little surreal. 
And uh, it feels a little bit like Weezer to me. And okay. Some people say that as, as a compliment, and I take it very much as a compliment. Well, I hope it's not an insult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we got Name Your God. You uh, Anything about that yeah, one? Yeah, that one was one that we started that had this really – it was kind of chill. Like, I mean, it didn't have enough energy to it. And I okay. thought, oh, I don't know. I think an Emory song has got to be a little more aggressive than this. And it, it kept building. It kept building. And it turned out to be a, a real sweet one. And we get a lot of good feedback on it. Nice. Um, and uh, I think it's one of the – I think it's a pretty mature – vibe and I, I really like that one too i agree it's new music by emory you're listening to loud and local on the rock I stay in my dreams, but i don't know what that means are you
That was Emery from the new album Eve. It is available now on Bad Christian Records. You can check it out on their Bandcamp, on Spotify, all that good stuff. It is streaming, but you should definitely purchase it. I believe it's available on vinyl. Is that correct? It is, but that's the only way anybody's going to purchase it. It's not like they want the CD or anything. Uh, yes, but it's do, vinyl all the way. <laughs> that's true, man. So, do you do you find that like people aren't buying CDs much anymore? Like, are you do you guys still sell CDs? I think I, I, I you know I believe we have some. I've seen them. <laughs> I've had rumors that there's CD, but no. I mean, I don't buy them. I don't want a CD. Do you? I'll, I'll take it. I'll take a free CD. <laughs> Shout out to anyone. Who I'm sends not making me CDs. fun of the CD people. I know there's people that that that, that love it. But vinyl's been really cool. It's been really fun to have something physical to care about and, exactly. and deal with you know give me vinyl with a digital download maybe even a cassette tape mm-hmm. i'll throw that in my tape deck and uh i'll rock it man we are talking to matt carter from the band you just heard emery three songs from their new album sins of every father name your god and we started off with is this the real life now uh your new album eve it was released on your personal label called bad christian mm-hmm. um can you tell me a little bit about bad christian as uh as a label and the, the meaning behind it yeah, Bad Christian is uh, a podcast that we do, and a, I mean it's like a network or a label. It's just a, it's just really the title of a community that that we kind of live in, which is, you know, we grew up in evangelical culture. We were part of the Mars Hill Church, mm-hmm. and you know that was probably the last attempt to try to give the organized Christianity thing a shot. And it's just clearly got so many problems. It's just got clearly got so much stuff wrong with it. Okay. That we just said, okay, we're bad Christians, and we're going to tell the truth and just be totally real, like whatever. No more games of image management and whatever. Every, you know, I was shocked when when somebody said, uh, well, why don't you just name bad Christian then? Because you know, good Christian is such a, a, a obvious phrase. Sure. And so I said, okay, well, bad Christian. Well, there's no way that you could get that dot com name because and went right to it, and it was totally available for like nothing. There you go. Like, nobody wants the name, and I was like, oh. Well, this totally what we should be called then, because it's just, you know, just it's just kind of a punk, yeah. You know, okay, we're bad Christians. We're just gonna admit that, get it over with, and let's move on. So we put every, you know, we do a lot of stuff under that brand, podcast, and more. And your label, mm-hmm. that, that's awesome. So uh, let me let me think here. I'm I'm actually gonna go back to the formative years. I want to get a little bit deeper with you, Matt. Let's ro- go deep with that, Matt. From Emory. Let's go back to what was the first album you actually purchased, uh, whether it be CD, tape, record. Uh, and this is not something that's given to you by your parents or mm. your grandma or your older brother. What was the first one you actually purchased on your own? Mm, okay. Let's see if I can separate. When I think about that, I think about ones I was given as a gift that I asked for, but I think that would count in my parents gave it to me. So yes, one that I went exactly. and bought. Okay. So. I like to say that one because it would be it was Nirvana, never mind. Yes. So it's a good answer. Absolutely. But the first one that I went to the record store and bought probably was Offspring. Nice. The, uh, Smash. Smash. I yes. probably bought Smash. And then, um, let's see. Oh, and I sent off uh, with the put the penny on and did the BMG catalog yes. thing. And when I got Five those back, CDs I got Red Hot Chili Peppers and Megadeth. Nice. On that, the first two that I got from that that I, that I remember. Right on. That's awesome, man. And uh, what got you to, into more of like, I'll say you got your first material that you guys put out was like what you would label as Screamo. Mm-hmm. What got you into that or even the more heavy, aggressive sound of like hardcore punk and Screamo? Well, it was real late for us. Like I said, we grew up in the South and it was just yeah. Radio Rock and Hootie and Dave Matthews Band. There and you go. Capos yeah. and acoustic yeah. guitars said, no, thank you. 
And then, you know, the alternative thing kind of had happened. So we had a little bit of background in that, and we're still listening to radio rock like Corn and Deftones. Mm-hmm. And this is by the time I'm in college. Like, I still, no punk exposure, didn't even know about indie bands, didn't never heard of any of that stuff, didn't yeah. even know about it. Um, learned to skateboard when I was 20. Like, not even learn to skateboard, just got a You're skateboard too old and tried to, skate, to, man. tried to learn to Ollie in college from 20. <laughs> That's so, awesome. And, and we had a, our friend that does Bad Christian with us, Joey, and he grew up a, a real youth group kid who had been exposed to Tooth and Nail and all the Christian subculture stuff. And he exposed us to, like, uh, he said, there's all this stuff you say you like heavy bands like Corn, but have you ever heard of Zayo? We're like, what do you mean? And he plays a Zayo. And we're like, oh, well, that, I don't even know what that is. That doesn't make sense. And yeah, he plays he Pedro the Lion, yeah. which sounded all weird and soft, but it still was intense and so, it was just bizarre. Yeah. And so we, I just thought that was the craziest thing that it was the first time I realized with music. So you can just do whatever you want? Wait, people can just record you can just, this? Yeah, you just make weird music. It doesn't sound like anything on the radio. I love it. And so it was on at that yeah. point kind of thing. And so we started you know, just getting into every Sunday Day Real Estate and just every Appleseed cast. But things were emo and hardcore that hopes fall. Yeah. And we just found that stuff. It's like, okay. You know, and it just he opened exploded. up a world to you. Yeah, opened up a world when we were in college. But Shout out no to background that guy. before that. That's awesome. So uh, from there, your life went either uphill or downhill, no matter uh, depending on how you look at it, right? Uh, what bra- uh, so, like I said, we're going to be playing a few songs from the album Eve with, uh, but these ones right now they actually have pretty unique titles. If you're looking at the album, uh, people always ask me if we're going to cuss in an Emery song <laughs> is one of them, and uh, 2007 Clarksville High State Volleyball Champs Gay is okay. Mm-hmm. Where did these titles come from? <clears throat> oh, well, they they both have explanations, I suppose. Right. First of all, song titles, when you have to make a bunch of albums over time, you've written 100 songs or something, and you have to come up with the lyrics, you have to come up with the art, and you've got to make videos, and you mm-hmm. come up with all the chords and songs, and there's so many decisions to make by the time you get to, but what's the actual title of this song that we've been calling Demo 8 for six months? You're like, okay. So at some point, you're just like, whatever on the song title, so you kind of get in this pattern where... It can be fun. Like, why not just have fun with it at some point of naming the song titles? And uh, it gives you also a chance to kind of color the song a little bit, too. And these are both attempts to, you know, show some kind of lyrical tie-in and be a little bit silly with it. But the one about cussing the Emory song is we do the Bad Christian podcast, and there's tons of foul language. We just let it fly all the time. Not going to do it on radio or anything like that. And so people think... You know, when a band late in their career or at some point they had finally put their first cuss word. It's edgy. It's edgy or whatever. We've still not done that. We, we I, I mean, I say the F word on air on the podcast all the time. Yeah. But there's not, none of our songs have that. And so everybody's thinking, okay, their next one is definitely going to have a cuss word. And people always ask us, are you going to cuss on the next Emory record? And no, we're not. So then this song that uh, Toby wrote, Toby wrote it, yeah. but the lyrics, I mean, it is about that. It's, uh, it's about... It's uh, it's kind of a reverse kind of thing there where it's talking about how silly both people that are pro or anti-cussing think language is. Like people are so bent out of shape about it and care that much whether you cuss or don't or how it works. Mm-hmm. And so the lyrics kind of address address that okay. topic in there. And then if you have time, I'll tell you about the other song. Yeah, we have time. The other have song's got time. a really good story too. We were All on right. tour with Switchfoot doing a bunch of co- Christian colleges in okay. 2000 and I don't know, probably eight. Okay. And so we were going, we were in our van at that time and we were following their bus and we were going to all these uh, Christian colleges and we're just goofing around doing pranks like we always do. And Toby bought a can of that spray snow, like you frost the windows with and Hell you yeah, write yeah. spring break or whatever on. 
and he wrote on our van, uh, what is it? He wrote Clarksville High State Volleyball Champs, you know, 3A, you know, 2008, whatever. Yeah. Um, or 2007, I guess it is. And, and then under that, it says gay is okay. And it was just, at the time, it wasn't any kind of statement or anything. It was just this hilarious thing where people would see these innocent high school girl volleyball team going down the road and then some overtly crazy political <laughs> statement under it. Yeah. Just just for the reaction of seeing people in the cars, they would read it and go, oh, what? Huh? You know, huh? Like It was just hilarious. We just did, the whole drive, we'd see people with the most confused looks on their faces. And that that's awesome. all it was. And it was a time, you know, gay marriage wasn't that far along at the time. Yeah. You know, and then the song is actually a very serious song that Toby wrote from the point of view of like a gay man that lives in the South and he can't tell anybody, you know, he just doesn't know what's for him. And it's just a desperate situation. Okay. And we've moved, you know, we're people that probably thought that gay marriage was a bad thing in 2007. And we're just using it almost as a joke. Yeah. As a joke device. And then, it changed our position completely to affirming of that, and 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 that to and, and this song is really empathizing with with that community, and you know, and just from trying to tell from, you know, that point of view, cool. what that must feel like. That's awesome, Ro. Thank you very much for the background, and uh, we're getting deep here. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, Emery Matt Matt Carter from Emery. We're going to talk a little bit more about Emery. We're also going to talk about uh, labeled podcasts. If you're listening from the labeled group on Facebook, shout out to you. We uh, have. A couple songs here off the newest Emory record. It's Eve, it's Loud and Local on The Rock. Sing the words 
on the Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. We're deep in the heart of the frozen tundra at Snowpocalypse 2019. Okay, that might be a little bit dramatic, but either way, thanks for staying up with us. I know a lot of people aren't going to be going into work tomorrow, or if they are at all, they'll be going in a little bit late. So thanks for staying up with us and enjoying some rock and roll music, local stuff. Uh, It is loud and local. We have Matt Carter from Emory here. Uh, He's going to be hanging with us for the second part of the show as well. It is always two hours here. On Loud and Local, so text us at 77999 if they have anything you'd like to hear. So, dude, uh, I, I got to ask you about uh, some some things. Number one, are we going to have a Northwest Emory show? And, yeah, yeah, we, we do at least one a year. We, okay. we try to play everywhere good once a year. When Northwest doesn't get any extra special love there because we, we don't all live here anymore. That's true. So we play Seattle about once a year. But okay. We'll, we're going to be here in June, I think. So we're going to be able to hear mm-hmm. the new songs live. You got it. Awesome. We're playing three or four live, I think. Cool. Uh, so have you played any songs? Have you guys done any touring uh, with with the new album out? Mm-hmm. We've been doing three or four songs. We just got – we did a week in Florida. We do, you know – we do our tour now where we do about a week at a time per region. Okay. Basically. And so, yeah, we've been doing new songs in the last three or four tours we've done. And our, like I said, our tours are eight days long kind of thing. Yeah. And that's how we have it split out. We go to Florida in January, which, yes. <laughs> which is so nice. And that's beautiful. We'll, we'll go over here in the, in the summertime when, the, when it's nice on the West Coast. You guys get to that, – that's cool because you guys have worked hard. I'm sure you guys grinded super hard on like the like being a bus and just like grind it out on tour nonstop. Now you guys can kind of you know pick your spots a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's nice. It's got to be nice for you. So uh, what does uh, the rest of 2019 look like for Emory, would you say? Well, we're in the middle of trying to make some really intentional plans and figure out what we want to do in the future. And I can tell you what I'm way into and trying to figure out right now. And it's, um, I mean, in keeping with just transparent and further communication and breaking down barriers and things being informal, that's the stuff I'm always attracted to. And the place that's doing that even more than podcasting these days is the streaming stuff like Twitch. Yes. Twitch, I, I've been YouTube, kind of obsessed yeah. with Twitch lately because of what is I think is possible there. I think it's obviously the future is this really long-form, informal content that's very narrow to what you care about. So we, I've got a rehearsal space here. Our drummer lives here, and um, and that's about it. But we've been jamming every Tuesday night, and I'm, gonna, I'm streaming that on Twitch with the that's mix awesome. from my Pro Tools in the studio. And it sounds good. And then we Skype in Devin, who's in Illinois, Whoa. and he's on Skype, and he's on Twitch, and we're going to interact and just let people watch us write the songs and record them and just open it up and let people see what we're up to and who we are. Like, you know, as I don't have That's the insecurities cool. that I used to about my playing or yeah. writing or how many takes I do. And I just, I feel like, why don't we just show people how we make our songs? They, everybody always asks that question. How, what's your songwriting process like? Well, here you go. <laughs> you see so, how it's made, man. Yeah, just cool. let's, let's just break down all those barriers and try something informal. I love it. So that's what I'm interested in. I don't know exactly how to interface that all and stuff. We're going to try and put out a record once a year yeah. instead of every two years, and that's what we're looking at. So, so that's up and coming now. Uh, and, and what's your stream channel? How do we look that up? Well, I don't think we. Have. Oh, you don't <laughs> have I've it just yet? been playing okay. around with it. All right, I think all my right. my stream channel is Zod Carter Z O D C A R T E R, but I didn't even make an official one for the band yet. So I okay. made one for me and been playing around with it. Follow Zod Carter on Twitch. Well, let me know, and, and we'll, I'll keep we'll, the listeners. We'll split up. it out to the band soon when we get it rolling for sure. Yeah, keep us updated, man. And uh, so that's 
that's pretty cool, man. That's uh, also, you know, an evolution of music and, and with things like social media and then streaming, those, all these things are possible and, and you can see how the sausage is made. Uh, all right, dude, I'm going to put you on the uh, put you on the spot here. What is your favorite Northwest band of all time? Oh, my gosh. That's not a fair question. Well, I mean, what do you mean when you say that? Like all time. You're yeah. ta- I mean, who do you include in that? You include Jimi Hendrix? Yes. Well, heart. Yeah, heart. As I was gonna say, I don't. I mean, I can't say acceptance then if Jimi Hendrix is on the list. But. You could if it's your personal <laughs> favorite. Oh man. Um, well, I, I think heart and acceptance and Jimi Hendrix are all really good choices. Um, all right, we can do like a few, like yeah. a couple. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you go outside Jimi Hendrix. That's a big deal. All right, if, cool. if, he, if Jimi Hendrix is the Northwest artist, then I, I would be wrong to, to not say that. All right. Sounds good, man. We're we're talking to Matt Carter from Emory, and uh, the next portion of our interview is actually uh, something pretty cool. If you def- if you have a, a way to listen to podcasts, I suggest you subscribe to the Labeled Podcast. It is a, a in-depth look at a, at a very influential label here in the Northwest called Tooth & Nail Records. You may know that from MXPX, from Under Oath, from Emory, uh, and, and from many other uh, many other bands. So the next portion of the interview, after we play this uh, Emery song, we're going to be talking about that. So just to give you a heads up, here's Safe off the record Eve. It's Emery here on Loud and Local. You could always see yourself in me A brand new way to live vicariously I wanted to show you the world through my eyes But you had to let me go, just let me go so I could live my life We used to look at the stars, dream of the days we would find something more Somewhere along the way, the smile left your face, and life set in. It changed everything. We used to look at the stars and dream of the days we would find something more. Somewhere along the way, the smile left your face as your eyes fell.
This is the Mighty Rock, a radio.com station. 99.9 KISW and KISW HD1, Seattle. This is Loud and Local with Kevin Deers on The Rock. 99.9 KISW. Shame in your eyes with your mouth telling lies and the guilt in your mind still grows round and round we go
loud and local here on 99.9 KISW, The Rock of Seattle. If you've been tuning in, you know that I'm talking to Matt Carter from the band Emery. Uh, they just put out a record called Eve last year. Definitely check it out. That's what I've been playing songs from. And uh, we're going to kind of move into the other part of the uh, the interview that I wanted to focus on here. This is a little bit more hyper hyper nerdy, I, I'd say. <laughs> let's say. Let's say it's a little bit more uh, specific. And this is... Uh, this is something for for fans of you know uh, the music industry for fans of um, I don't know I let's just say it it's, it's it's a it's a pretty specific thing that is a really awesome podcast though I've been listening to it I've been devouring it every time he puts out an episode it is uh, it's tooth and nail history of the record label it's called labeled podcast and uh, it seems like it's been doing really well uh, it's an like I said an in depth look at tooth and nail records. What gave you the idea to start the podcast, Matt? Well, you know, we call it the label podcast Stories, Legends, Stories, Rumors, and Legends of Tooth and Nail Records. Because the Tooth and Nail scene, um, and it's, you know, it's really even bigger than that. Like, Tooth and Nail is a big part of the Christian, hardcore, punk, indie, whatever, metal scene. Like, that thing emerged. There's a first wave, second wave of it, and it got really rolling to what it is today under i mean i think under us at the grammys tonight Mm -hmm. yeah so the thing has a story it has a trajectory it's a subculture and it's amazing and so it took me a while to really even being on tooth and nail to understand the history and what came before it and the people in the lineage that you know were influences on me and it turns out not just musical influences they were doing stuff like figuring out how to tour and how to talk about their faith and songs and interact with stuff, like all the stuff that we had to go yeah. through. The tracks were laid with people before us, and the story is really interesting. There's a million twists and turns. It includes the collapse of the music industry at some point and the rise of it and people signing to majors and indie record labels blowing up and getting acquired. There's so much. And the label there. getting acquired yes. by a major and yes. then coming back independent and. Yeah, so the question is not – I mean it's how not – how how is this not told? Like podcasting is such a good place for narrow storytelling. Exactly. But there's not that many people that can do it, including me. It's been a real struggle to learn how to tell – pod, do a podcast and tell a story and do it well and do justice to this whole community that's been people's whole lives. You know, Like there's some of these people and I'm talking to them about the old days and they light up. And nobody's asked them these questions in a while, and they're telling you about it. And it just gives me the best feeling in the world to hear some band dude talk about the old times and what it was like and how they got and what happened. It's just It just makes me feel good inside. So I want to share it and do more of it and find out more of the stuff that I didn't know. And the more I get into it, the more I like it. And it's, it's a whole community. I mean, it's, it's terrific. That's awesome, man. Now, it, it's it's obvious that you work hard on these things, and uh, they're about an hour or so, uh, you know, give or take a few minutes in each episode. How often do you release an episode? And Every two weeks. Every two weeks? Yeah. And how long would you say you, you actually work on this? How many hours would you say you, work, you put into an episode? It's probably going to be a staggering amount. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can be, but um, – I think I would say that if you think about it this way, when we first started this season, when I was really trying to go in depth and do it, I was collecting, you know, like eight hours or more of tape. I'd want to talk to eight wow. people on this subject because I was just trying to learn. Yeah. But you, of course, you can't use all that. But I felt like, oh, this is good. We can use this for something. You, you got to do it. And then to go through it. And then I have. Um, uh, Melanie Studley is the, our editor and sound designer, and she cool. helps and works on the show a lot. She's terrific. I couldn't do it without her. And um, 
so I, I spend at least the eight hours collecting that tape and then organizing it and booking it and thinking about it and preparing for those interviews. And then she spends way more than double or triple real time cutting that tape down. Wow. Then back to me. And then we talk about voiceover and how yeah. we're going to do the narration and what we're going to do next. And let's redo this section. So the first episodes were brutal, like brutal. But we've gotten it down a little bit more focused now. So we're probably spending – 20 hours or 10 hours an episode or something like that. Okay. I, I'm trying to get it less and less and be more focused, but that'll just have to come with my skill development. <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. And they're, and they're getting better and better, I got to say, man. We'll talk a, a few – or we'll talk a little bit in uh, in just a few moments about some of the more recent episodes, but who have been some of your favorite people to talk to so far, Matt? Well, um, I think my favorite hero in the story so far is Billy Power. He is just a great guy. He was here. He was doing music way before there was a scene mm-hmm. um, in this scene and he just has a really broad set of experiences he was in blender head and then he came to tooth and nail early on and ran operations he had been in the military and he was able to you know take it to the next level and run all brandon's stuff for him and get it really going brandon's the owner the, yeah. of tooth and brandon nail brandon Ebel, yeah. and um and so i think he's a big hero so far and he's somebody i really really like and and have enjoyed getting to know and spending time around and when i was first coming up i knew he was an important person at tooth and nail yeah but i never got to really know him until later and it's been that's been a treat so i think billy's terrific that's awesome, man. And then there's a ton of people. I'm sure you, the list could go on and on. And uh, listen to the podcast, and you'll get to hear some of the people that he's talking to. So we're actually going to play a couple songs from the uh, the library, the early and mid-90s library of Tooth & Nail. And this is kind of uh, just some tracks that you chose. So we're going to play one by Roadside Monument. And we wanted to focus on uh, bands that were just Northwest-centric, since this is loud and local. And it is important to know that this label was based here in Seattle, but they released bands all over the United States, all mm-hmm. over the world. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there were bands. Uh, what was that band from from Sweden? Uh, uh, Blindside. 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 And there was another from band from there. there well, uh, Extol, Blindside, yep. and Self Minded are the Norwegian acts that, yes. that were on Tooth and Nail. And off the top uh, of my head. And there were all kinds of projects. So, uh, just a roadside monument. This is a song called Sperm Ridden mm-hmm. Burden. Tell me a little bit about this because this is, was a controversial track in the yeah. '90s in the Christian punk scene. Yeah. So, so Roadside Monument is kind of came out of this. Uh, U District house called the House of Funk or the Funk House people would call it and they were doing house shows MXPX played there early mm-hmm. Blenderhead was there and some of the guys there that had played in Blenderhead had this house and Matt Johnson was the drummer uh, Damon Gerardo and Dave Bazan were doing shows there just you know it was just all the poor old Lou and Aaron Sprinkle it was yeah. just all the names of people that didn't know much of Jeremy Enoch that kind of people were all there sure. at this house over in the U District um, the Roadside Monument was kind of part of that scene and the drummer there Matt Johnson who also played in Blenderhead and don't know. Yeah. Um, he was in this band, Roadside Monument. They had, they're on this Christian label, Tooth and Nail, but Tooth and Nail was full of these acts that were nothing like what people would think of as Christian bands. They weren't they were the Newsboys. Really, no, not, not the <laughs> Newsboys or Audio Adrenaline or uh, DC Talk, not like that. This is like chaotic, mathy, yeah. aggressive stuff that was very hip and contemporary and cred it still is and still holds up today it's really fun to listen to and this song's called sperm ridden burden which i don't know 
exactly what the lyrics are about, but it's inevitably something that's Christian based about the sin of Adam and ma- I don't I don't know what what the thing. My friend about, told me it was about masturbation. But maybe, we were teenagers, maybe it was, but so it probably was in from the context of a Christian point of view or whatever Could it was. Be, yeah. But the fact that it has sperm in the title was a huge problem. For tooth and nail, Uh-oh. they I think it got pulled from stores and people writing letters all the time back in the mid nineties. No sperm allowed. Yeah, so just the you know, just the the notion that the word sperm would be there, regardless of what they're saying about it. If, if it's anti masturbation song, perhaps, but don't say sperm. You know, and it was a problem in in the bookstores and where they sold them and the catalog and all that all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of been the story the whole time is, you know, stuff like that with. Tooth the nail and the Christian stigma, but trying to fight to do art well. They were pushing the envelope. Yeah, but these bands, I mean, they're just, over time, if you go back and look at it, they all, a lot of them were really contemporary, really held up, and really yeah. doing cool stuff at the time, and this is a good example of it. And uh, another band that's definitely held up is 90 Pound Wuss. We got one called Something Must Break after mm-hmm. this Roadside Monument. So here's a couple songs from Tooth and Nail Records. Again, check out Labeled Podcast. We'll be back with more from Matt Carter, the host of that, and also a uh, member of Emory. It's Loud and Local on The Rock.
and Local continues on The Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. We are back here on Loud and Local. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We are on till midnight, Texas at 77999. And uh, we're talking with Matt Carter, who is uh, one of the members of Emory, been going on since 2001. And he is he is unraveling the, the truth behind the scenes of Tooth and Nail Records. Awesome, awesome label. I grew up listening to a lot of these bands, and one of these bands that I grew up listening to is a band from Bremerton known as MXPX. Your uh, latest episode of Labeled was actually on MXPX. Mm-hmm. came out this week, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to ask, would you say that that's the band that put Tooth and Nail on the, na- on the map? That's exactly what I would say. I mean, you know, you had to talk to different people, and Brandon's real particular about... Well, there was this at this time, but then we did this at this time, and we had yeah. this band put us on the map at this time. But the MXPX and Tooth and Nail thing to me is you'd be crazy not to flag it as one of the most important or the most important moment in Tooth and Nail history. Yeah, um, Both the label and the band MXPX was young, and they had this perfect marriage, this perfect explosion. And what I just really think is worth highlighting about that is these kids were they were in 10th grade. Is MXPX just play, trying Crazy. to play at any party they could, just like every band you know at your high school. Yep. And then by the time they graduated, they're pop culture punk icons, and they're playing all over the world. It was right after graduation, but in that time span, they become like a, like a household punk name. Yeah, and and Tooth and Nail takes that ride too, and they they do that together, and Tooth and Nail is able to unlock a lot for them. And that that ride is just it's just meteoric. It's crazy. Absolutely. I mean, imagine being in high school and all your friends are going off to, you know, Florida for their family vacation for spring break. And then your friend Mike and Yuri and Tom come back and they had gone on a tour with the Descendants or Jawbreaker or mm-hmm. something right. or just played some dingy punk shows and uh, came back with some new tattoos, you know, just they like, did. what? Right. They didn't even have on their first record. They put out Poking at You and it came out and they were still doing shows and they still hadn't been out of state or anywhere. And they had this release out on Tooth and Nail selling everything. Yeah, and then by the time, and then they went out to, out of town, and everybody knows the lyrics, and they go to California and all this stuff. Then they go, they, but they still couldn't tour. They just went to California and had a huge they're show. Kids, yeah, they're kids. So then they go to make their next record, Teenage Politics, and they do it in nine days mm-hmm. because that's how long spring break is. <laughs> they play the whole week and the two weekends, and that's they make awesome. their follow up record still in high school. And they only can do it on spring break, and not until the graduation day. After that, they fly down to California, make a video, and then start touring after they graduate. And they're already – everybody all over the country already knows all the lyrics to a couple of their albums by the time they ever get anywhere. And the the next one was the one that I actually got on board for was Life in General, mm-hmm. a, a great record. And this one uh, had the two smash smash hits, uh, Chick Magnet, of course, and uh, the song we're going to play, Move to Bremerton, in just a few. So this is uh, certainly an uh, uh, onward point for, for that band. And then, of course, they signed to a major label and, and whatnot. But very, very cool, man. It's, uh, it's an interesting story there. And I'm uh, just kind of... The career launching of MXPX and the career launching of Tooth and Nail, I'm mm-hmm. sure that uh, that just having that logo on there with uh, gave Tooth and Nail a lot of credibility for a lot of people and 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 probably pushed their uh, label a lot further along too. No doubt about it. Right on, man. So uh, you have cultivated a pretty unique community through the podcast. We're talking about the labeled podcast here about Tooth and Nail Records. Tell me a little bit about the labeled podcast Facebook group. Well, the, you know for. Podcasts and stuff, the challenge is 
the the beautiful part about it is you just get to talk and you get mm-hmm. to connect, but it's pretty one way. Uh, I, it doesn't feel very good to have a Twitter account, and I don't know. It just it feels goofy. So I I just like to talk on the podcast and make that the thing it is. And then you can have the member community or the Patreon or something like that. But yeah. to me, it seems like there should be a free place because I know this community is super wide. So. Yeah. We just said, let's make a Facebook group that's open. You don't have to pay to be in or support the podcast because there's just – I know so many people want to connect about this, mm-hmm. and it's been so great. Like it, it's – you know, it, it's got a ton of people in it, probably 1,500 now. Yeah. And they're all over the place. I'm and, in it. And you're in it, and they – it's just – it's a good place to crowdsource information. I think of it as a primary source. So anytime I float out a topic or a thing I'm thinking about, I get just so many people – or organically talking about it and then that is so informative as i go to like start an episode because there's there's no one person that knows could know all this history there's not a person yeah and even the artists themselves don't seem to really have a a, a full grasp on it. it you really need the fans point of views and everybody else's point of views and everybody in aggregate together yeah. so that you start to get a picture of what is really going on whenever you're trying to talk about something so it's just it's, it's a just community. beautiful yeah. and they everybody enjoys talking and interacting contributing and it directly informs the show so it's just really wonderful it's a, it's also a more peaceful part of the internet uh, yeah exactly <laughs> that's i mean i think facebook is so terrible but it's really good for this there's a lot of toxic yeah. things yeah. out there it's it's a little bit less toxic than most of facebook so you mentioned patreon uh some people might not be familiar with patreon is but uh, it is a platform i think kind of to help artists and content creators to subscribe and pay a fee to get bonus content is that mm-hmm. how you would describe it yeah i mean this one's real simple it's you know we collect a ton of hours that cannot go in the 48 minute episode or whatever it turns out to be i mean it's hard to sit down and talk to somebody and not talk for an hour yeah like, okay i need five minutes from this guy i'm still going to talk to him for like 45 minutes every yeah. time and so that stuff's not going to make in the podcast but i'm trying to get at it or get at it a certain way or maybe they're just it's just interesting or maybe it's just somebody i know and so those unedited long conversations have the real details in them so to me the main labeled podcast itself that you can just get on any podcast app, that's kind of like the front door, but the real stuff oh, is in is is in the you know the long form tapes that you have to kind of already care for it to matter. It wouldn't be good for somebody who doesn't know about tooth and nail. All right, care. take my money, damn it! <laughs> but it's really good. I mean, that's the, the stuff's really meaty in there, and then the community's free. So, but the community on yeah. Facebook that's free, and then this bonus tape—that's like the good stuff. That's cool. what's really valuable, and the main podcast is like. The most public-facing, like, flagship of, like, well, look, here's the story, but don't you want to come in? And check out these – And you can uh, do that for free or not. I don't care, but there's more. There's more than this. It's an infinite uh, community talking about the ninth song on this album that I've never even listened to, and there's something important about it. And you can find it. That's what people talk about. It's great. That's awesome. I got to check it out, man. I'm going to be subscribing. I already, you know, I'm a Patreon for a couple other podcasts, so might as well just add another one. And I'll tell you this. You don't have to be a – you know, for, as far as podcasting goes, you don't have to support every show that you listen to. But if everybody would just support two or three shows, I don't care if you listen to 50, if everybody just picked two or three shows to support, that would do the trick. doesn't have to be this one. Yeah. But you should support anything that, that you like or care about. doesn't have to be this and doesn't have to be everything. It's not all or nothing. Yeah. But support a couple shows if you listen to some. Throw a few shekels their way. That's right. All right. So we're going to play MXPX, move to Bremerton, and Pedro the Lion almost there. We talked about MXPX. Now, give me an idea. Pedro the Lion, was this uh, the first album that David Bazan came out with in uh, 1997? Or 
Yeah, I think he may have had an EP or some other stuff. I'm not saying he never released anything else before that, but this is one of his first things. Because I didn't whole even EP. know Pedro the Lion was on Tooth and Nail. Well, he he didn't I, he didn't want to be after this one. So I think oh. this I, I love this. One. I love Dave Bazan. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. But we get to have Dave Bazan in this form here as a young kind of Christian kid trying to express himself in this way. And this is a really important track to me because it's really quiet. And empty, but yet it's got this screaming thing going on in it. Cool, and I yeah. was like, what is this? It was a really impactful song for me. Right. And I heard him as coming from a faith point of view, and he's moved on. He wouldn't want to be associated with Tooth and Nail or Christianity today. But we get to play him on the Seattle Airwaves tonight. There we go. From my point of view, and I love that. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. MXPX moved to Bremerton, and Pedro the Lion almost there. It's Loud and Local on The Rock.
and local got about 20 minutes left of the show we are talking with matt carter from emory and also the labeled podcast definitely check it out subscribe rate review all the good stuff help the algorithm it's podcast talk right Man, it's so good for podcasters or radio people to be hanging out, getting long, isn't it? I know, man. It's it's not a, it's not a rivalry as you might imagine. No, it it's is good. It's all broadcast podcast, good stuff, man. So uh, the the episodes come out every couple weeks. Can you give us any hints about future episodes of the label podcast about Tooth and Nail Records? Yeah, well, we're going kind of chronologically in a way, so you could guess at some artists and stuff coming up. But yeah, I I would urge people not to get your hopes up about any individual tiny story or band because we're trying to tell the larger narrative of the scene and tooth and nail and the important stuff and we're going to zero in on some narrow things but there's just too many to do them all so if there's a certain thing you're hoping for you may not get it but where we are headed for sure is the you know the rise of tooth and nail as from where we are right now from mxpx to we're going to the Supertones next yeah. and that whole youth group market and the real Christian stuff. Like, that happened next. Yeah. And we're going to explore that. And at that time, Tooth and Nail starts to become a real powerhouse. They get better deals. They start growing. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, make a deal with EMI and sell to a major or 49% of to a major. Uh-huh. And that thing rides up. And we know Tooth and Nail got really big in the screamo and the heavy and the hardcore metal stuff and the metal that, yeah, after yeah. that in solid state. So we're going into that territory and how big and complicated and all the stuff that happened there. And everybody knows the collapse of the music industry of is course. ahead of us in 2007 oh, and yes. eight. And that's going to, we're going to get there and see how that dealt with and who got laid off and what bands had problems. And there's a, there's a lot of stuff to do there and a lot of, and then 
after that, it's like, well, how did people adjust and what happened next? And so there's a lot to tell, that, and, but that's the, the arc of the whole story. So cool. we've, done, we've finished what I call Act One right now. Like, yes. here is the environment. Here's the world. Here's tooth and nail. Now, they've had some success and some money. Here we go. That's the phase we're in right now. So All right. I we're like going to go through it semi-chronologically like that. So uh, now that you kind of – have been able you have access to the full tooth and nail uh, catalog and everything what are some uh, some of your favorite albums from tooth and nail catalog maybe stuff that people might not know about what would you suggest well you know it depends on who we're talking about whether they know about it or not but for the general kisw audience and mm-hmm. stuff like that i was thinking of a couple of bands that i really really care a lot about um that are kind of what I would say is opposites, because if you have on the Tooth and Nail, really, and Solid State Records was able to really uh, hone in on a very specific thing about heavy and metal and stuff like yeah. that. And I, to me, Zayo is the quintessential band of that. Oh hell yes, and they still going strong. Yes, and Zayo is one of my favorite bands of all time. They have just really influenced me, and I've had so many moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this moment in their music or seeing them live and yes. i think they're really special so zeo and they're my favorite of theirs is liberate tex and fairness okay and that's uh in 2000 it came out yeah um but they have a bunch of good ones but that that one is is worth checking out for sure and then on the other side of the, the real emo and empty and more le- the less heavy side there's a band called 238 that doesn't get a lot of uh just never really got a, 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 you know, I don't think they sold a ton of records or anything like that. Yeah. And they came when Tooth and Nail acquired Takehold Records. Uh, they came over in that merger, and they have a couple of records that are just tremendous. But their first record, Regulate the Chemicals, 238, is uh, it's just it's magical. And it's t- very different than Zayo. And that's the thing about Tooth and Nail. There's so much variety in the catalog. It seems like, oh, it's a Christian pop-punk label. Well, no. I mean, it's got... The catalog is so diverse, it's not even funny, but somehow it all ties together. Yeah. They influence each other. People jump around from band to band, and it's just got this whole web going of this just wild variety. But that's a couple of them that I think uh, are, are counter to each other and both terrific. All right. Zayo 238. And might, might I make a suggestion Suggestion while you're at it? Check out Stretch Armstrong oh, yeah. Revolution Transmission. Uh, very, very good albums. And uh, Demon Hunter is coming out with a new one. This is a new record on Solid State Tooth and Nail. It's coming out uh, March 1st. So we're actually going to have the guys from Demon Hunter up on Metal Shop on March 2nd. So going to play a new, new Demon Hunter song called Close Enough. Is there anything you want to say before we uh, kick your ass out of here <laughs> uh, from KISW? Anything you want to say to the Northwest audience? No, nah, man. I just, I mean, I would love to say to the Northwest audience how cool it is. I moved here in 2001 because mm-hmm. I, I love Nirvana and grunge and I grew up listening. Watch reading Guitar World magazine and never could ever Allison Chains and just sound all that stuff. Yes, and then I moved here and then I started the dumb band and kept at it and I'm here today on the radio and Hell yeah. you know getting to share this kind of music and everything. I mean. It's, it's been terrific. People said it's tough or Seattle snobby or whatever, but hell no. The Northwest is such a good music scene. Yes. I love it. Everybody here plays music and appreciates music, and it's not like where I grew up. No offense to them, but I moved here on a whim, and I just couldn't be more happy about it. I love it. I love it here. That's awesome. Matt Carter from Emory and the Labeled Podcast. Here's Demon Hunter with Close Enough. Thank you very much, Matt. Have a good one, dude. Appreciate it. Yup. Here it is. It's Loud and Local on the Rock.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.